Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Man, everyone here today, look at the people that are around you, on your left, on your right, behind you, and everywhere. Everybody you see today has one thing in common. Everybody here today has a destiny has a purpose in life, has a meaning for life. No one here today or those of you that are watching online is meant to be a drifter, to occupy space, live and die. You are destiny's child. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. In case you didn't know, you're destiny's child. And not the singing group, right? But you're God's destiny child. He has a destiny for you. There, listen, there are no accidents here this morning. You know, there are no accidents. You, you know, people say, well, you were an accident. We didn't plan on you. Well, God planned on you. And here's what I know. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is big. He sent you from eternity in time to do something unique here that you alone can do. Scripture said, even before you were born, Ephesians 2 and 10, look at this. He sent you from eternity. Even before you were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we should fulfill. So if you're jumping on the train late, for the last six weeks, we've been talking about destiny. And if you missed it, I'd really encourage you to go back and take a look at those. I believe it like this. If my life is metal, if my life is metal, then destiny is the magnet that draws me. You see, destiny doesn't drive me, but it woos me, it draws me. And so if my life is metal, the destiny of God is like a magnet and it's drawing me to him. So, and so uh, our life is moving in the direction of where God is leading us. As a kid, we all dreamed, right? Some of you dreamed of being a fireman, uh, maybe a president, a missionary, a pastor, a doctor or nurse. Here's a question today. Look at your neighbor and ask him this question. Are you still dreaming? Look at your other neighbor you think that's a loser and ask him. No, just kidding. Just look at the other one and say, are you still dreaming? Why do, why do we quit dreaming? You say, well, I'm, I'm too old to dream. No, you're never too old to dream. As long as your heart's still beating, there's still part of your destiny that you're supposed to complete. And so I just simply say the question, why do we quit dreaming? Your dream didn't originate with you. The things that you'd like to create, the things that you'd like to do, that vision that keeps coming back to you. I mean, with with Lila and Richard, this dream of helping people has been a lot of different ways. It was in Africa. It was in somewhere else. But now it's, it's here. Some of you, God has given you a dream to start a business, to go back to school, to do some other things. Why is he, why is he giving you? He's giving you the dream to create, to make music. I'm I'm looking at all of that, and I'm just saying, we need to finish what he wants. That dream didn't start with you. It started with God putting something into your heart. So we said in the very first week, here's the definition of destiny. You can read it with me. Destiny is the personalized life calling God has purposed and equipped you to fulfill in order to bring him the greatest glory and achieve the greatest growth of his kingdom. We said destiny is a bunch of doors that we walk through. Destiny is not a destination, but it's the journey. And we have a theme verse 
Revelation 3 and 8. And we have given you hand uh, motions to help with this. Let's do this next week. Let's get, uh, let's get Levi in here next week from Kid City and let him show us how to do this real good, all right? Uh, we'll, we'll do that. So here, I'm going to do my best, all right? It's on the screen, and here are the gestures, I think, that goes with that. So let's see this. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know you used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. Wow, that's great. That's great. That is really good. So let's do it again, all right? Go with you, all right? Here we go. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know that. But you used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. Revelation 3 and 8. You guys are awesome. Proverbs 20 and 24 says, it is the Lord who directs your life. Let's just say that. Lord, you direct my life. Lord, you direct my life. It is the Lord who directs your life for each step you take or every door you walk through is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. So much of your life then remains a mystery because we think, well, how did that happen? And why did that happen? We look back in the past and we say, oh, I see God was working in the middle of that. Destiny always begins or usually begins when we say that you begin dreaming about why not or what if. Like somebody ought to do something about that, right? Several years ago, a couple years ago, Anita and I went to uh, North Carolina at Kitty Hawk there to the uh, Wright Brothers Memorial. And the park ranger kept telling us and said, they just, the Wright Brothers couldn't get over the dream that man could fly. Even though their Methodist pastor, uh, who was their father, preached in a conference, if God meant for us to fly, fly, he'd have given us wings. But they couldn't get it out of their mind. I believe man can fly. I believe it'll change the world if man can fly. I mean, think about this. Aren't you glad they did that? Think about the telephone. I thought about this week because somebody said, do you remember what your first phone number was? Well, if you're old like me and you lived on a party line, we didn't have a dial phone. We had a ringy-dingy-dingy-dingy, right? And it was a party line. So uh, it was a crank on the side of the phone. You can look on this uh, on the internet. You can see this, all right? So here's my, our phone number was a long ring and three shorts. So you go, and so everybody would hear the ring and you'd pick up. And of course, if it was some chick I wanted to talk to, Dolores or Ruby was on the phone and I have to say, Dolores, you can hang up. Ruby, you can hang up. You don't eavesdrop on this. Oh, but I'm, I'm glad it didn't stay there with a ringy dingy dingy. Do you? How many of you had a phone like that? Okay, three or four of us are as old as me. Oh, we live that far back in the country. But then there was a rotary dial, right? And uh, that short cord kept you right there. And then somebody said, well, we could put a long cord on this. And so you could go in the next room, close the door, and you could talk what you want. Remember that? And then mobile phones came out, but they were like in a suitcase. 
right? Remember that? Anita had one of those. She was in sales. There was a little suitcase and he had the phone and I'd like to borrow it sometime when I'm driving down the road. I wouldn't be talking to anybody, but I just had the phone up there like I was somebody and I had that phone, right? And you remember that? And then from the mobile phone to the smartphones today, you know, the difference between people and cell phones is simply this. Phones are getting smarter and thinner. The Wright brothers had to challenge prevailing attitudes that said man can't fly. If you're going to be a, a dream person fulfilling your destiny, there are going to be dream smashers that are going to come in your life and they'll say, that can't be done. It's never happened here. Nobody's ever done that. When we began to build this building, we only had like 125 people. We was moving from a little building on, on, the, on the boulevard over to here. And people say, oh, you can't do that. That's just too much. 25 years ago, we started started and 125 people. We built this building. And then we said, we're going to build that building. And so then we had difficulty with that. I found from time to time, I had to get away from guppies. I had to get away from small thinkers. And I had to get around people that challenged my thinking that were going where I wanted to go. Some of you are hanging around small thinkers. You need to find somebody in your area that's doing something bigger and say, how are you doing that? Let me talk to you. Let me see how we can do that. I want you to realize, though, you can miss your destiny. It's possible to lose your destiny. I didn't say lose your salvation, but lose your destiny. Adam and Eve lost their destiny in the Garden of Eden because they touched one thing. God said, don't do it. What could be your one thing? That struggle with pornography? Drugs? What is that weakness? You know that weakness, and so does the enemy. Don't let that weakness, don't let that one thing keep you from fulfilling your destiny. It's possible to miss your destiny when you compare yourself to other people. Some of you look around and say, well, yeah, I don't know that I really have a destiny. You know, I, I, it, that's just hard for me. When, when I see Andrea up here, I see Matt play that guitar. Man, doesn't he do a good job at that? Or, 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 or uh, Mike in the drum cage. We have to put him in there because if you don't put him in there, he climbs the walls, right? So we put him in there. You look at that and you say, man, I don't have, I, I, I don't have gifts and abilities like that. Or, uh, or Jen at the keyboard. Man, doesn't she, doesn't she do an awesome job? Yeah. And so, and so you say, well, I don't, I don't have that time. But God doesn't hold you accountable for their calling and giftings. So don't be intimidated by what, who they are. Some of you today feel like, well, that's just not me. And Terry, God couldn't use me because, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got a sordid past. I got a bad reputation or I've made some wrong decisions in my life. I want to share with you today what the Lord really laid on my heart to tell you. God often looks for those that are least likely to do some of the most impactful things in his kingdom. He often goes for that person that's overlooked. Seems like everybody's ignoring them. And he uses them. You say, yeah, but you know, I, I'm just not good enough. Somebody else is more cooler. You know, I, if I had more degrees, if I had more than this. Listen, you got to work with the skin you're in, right? You got to work with the skin that you're in. That's what's important. So I want us to look at some things today. I feel like God is really saying, and uh, maybe this would be an encouragement to you. Number one, here's basically everything I'm saying today. Realize that God chooses the least likely he chooses the least likely. When, I, when the Lord called me and Anita here to Central Florida 
to this area specifically. In my prayer time, the Lord said to me, you're not the first one that I've chosen. You're not the most gifted that I've chosen, but you're available. So every time I think I'm something, every time I drive and see this property, I remember that this property was up for sale by the name of a guy. And by the way, if you'd like to know the history of our church and what's going, the vision, you need to go to Growth Track. It's in the second service at 11 o'clock every first, second, third, fourth Sunday. In fact, today you can jump in there and Anita will be telling you about the vision of how we started. So Bill Mahan owned this property. It used to be 50 acres here that a church in our community was going to build a church and they had a his board run. And so they got in an argument and so they sold off the property. Bill had these acres and the acres beside and the acres behind. And uh, and I talked to him. I said, we need to move off the boulevard. We need bigger property. He said, well, you're really too late because I've already put uh, an offer into the city of putting low-income housing here. I've already paid for the, all of that, and it's all there. And, you know, you just, you just have to look somewhere else. And I thought, well, Lord, that's not, I really felt like this is where you wanted us to be. I couldn't see the growth of the villages and the growth of everything else. 25 years ago, there was no fast food restaurant here. Michael said this week, that was a good thing, no fast food. But anyway, uh, you know, nothing like that. And, and there wasn't a church like us. There wasn't a church with contemporary worship. It was just very traditional churches. And I felt like God called us here and sent us here, even though I knew that I wasn't the one that he chose. The Lord said, you're not the first one I chose. The first one I chose, God enthralled with a bigger ministry, left here and went to a different city. The second one I called here had more giftings than you, but he got involved with another woman and he lost his purpose and his destiny. So I'm going to send you because you're the least likely. And that's what he's saying to you today. Some of you think your life is about over. No. You're just part of the least likely. He's getting ready to use you. Some of you, the rest of your life is going to be the best of your life than you've ever seen before. First Corinthians, look at this. First Corinthians 1, 26. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential. Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, though God, he chooses these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything we have, right thinking and right living and clean state and a, a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Amen. Wow, what a great verse. I want to go in the Old Testament. I want to talk to you about a guy that was overlooked, a guy that was left out, a guy that wasn't chosen. He would have been considered the least likely. But when I tell you who he is, you're going to say, oh, I, I didn't know that because he accomplished so much. But his name was David. Remember that? Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Here's what God says. Here's what the scripture said. God raised up David to be king. For God said of him, I have found in David, son of Jesse. Look at this. Read it with me. A man who always pursues my heart 
and will accomplish all that I have destined him to do. Remember I said the first week, don't worry about your destiny. Seek God and your destiny will find you. Seek God and your destiny will find you. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you don't feel like you're being promoted towards your destiny. Maybe you don't feel like that, uh, that doors have opened the way that you thought the doors would open. And uh, I just want to say to you today, God hasn't lost track of you. He knows where you are. And when it's the right time, he'll come finding you and he'll open up that destiny to be the greatest one you've ever had. So the prophet Samuel, God said, I need it. I'm going to get a king. Men tried to raise up their own king, uh, Saul, and he was a failure. And so God said, I want a king. I'm going to choose a man that has my heart. And so he said, I want you to go to the house of Jesse and there I'll show you who's going to be my king. So Samuel goes with the anointing oil. Back then you anointed the king. So he goes with the anointed oil and he goes to Jesse's house and he said, one of your sons is going to be king over all of Israel. So would you bring your sons in? So Jesse brings in son number one, son number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven. And so here they are, the most charismatic, the most talented, the most buff, the most beautiful, the greatest ones that are there. And they look at all those and Samuel starts to lay hands on one and praying. God says, nope, not him. The next one, nope, not him. Next one, nope, not him. Seven sons, nope, not him. So Samuel said, do you have any more sons? If you don't, I'll be back in nine months. He said, well, I've got one that's really the least likely. He's out taking care of a bunch of sheep. But these guys have the talent, the ability, the charisma, and, and, and the giftings. And so they call for him. He was overlooked, underestimated, and in the back of the line. That's where some of you feel like you are today. The back of the line. The least likely that God could ever use. God sent me today with one thing to say He's never given up on you. Your destiny has not been fulfilled yet. He's got still something great for you. When I, I look at this, and I was always curious why David wasn't initially included. He was the eighth son. I believe David gives some understanding of this, uh, and a lot of theologians believe this. And one of my favorite, Dr. Ron Cottle, who's been here before, you remember Dr. Cottle. But in Psalm 51 and 5, here's what David says. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Many theologians believe this is a reference that David's mother committed adultery, and Jesse was not the biological father of David. And thus, in essence, he wasn't one of his sons, and he didn't invite him. And then David also gives us some more understanding of this, a little bit more of the technicality. Uh, Psalm 69, verse 8. David said, I have become estranged from my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. He said, I'm ostracized from my family. Notice what he says here. He doesn't say from my father's sons. He said from my mother's sons. In other words, alluding to the possibility that maybe they all had the same mother, but they didn't have the same father. 
For whatever reason, if that's true or it's not true, here's what we know. David was overlooked, underestimated, and he was part of the least likely. And he was at the eighth son. And eight in the Bible is the number of new beginnings. Say new beginnings. So when I look at this real quickly, let me brush through these. I'm not going to finish this teaching today. I'm going to come back and finish it next week. But I want to look at this. I want to look at the characteristics. What is it, the characteristics in my life that God would use to choose me? First of all, it would be that I have a heart after God, right? Second of all, here it is that I would be willing and obedient, obedient and willing to say it in the right way. So here, David, now listen, David is now anointed. Samuel anoints him with oil, said, you're going to be the king. He's just a teenager, probably 15 or 16. He doesn't give him any other instructions. And then Jesse, his father says, go back taking care of the sheep. Now here, here's David. Here's David anointed to be king. And his father says, I want you to go back and take care of the sheep. He obeyed. He didn't give any excuses. He didn't argue. He didn't say taking care of sheep is beneath me. Don't you know I just got anointed above all my brothers? No, you see. When you understand you're part of the league of the least likely, and it's only because of God's grace that he would choose to use you, you don't care what people say. You just want to know that you're obedient and willing to whatever God has for you. Remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. Second of all, you got to remain faithful, responsible, and courageous. Let's say that. Remain faithful, responsible, and courageous. In chapter uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, Remember, this is when David is standing there before Saul, the king. Goliath is out there yelling and screaming, and nothing is happening. And David said to Saul, I'm not afraid of Goliath. I'll take him on. <laughs> that was kind of funny, right? He said, your servant, me, I used to keep my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, he said, I just, I took him on and I killed him. In other words, Whatever was entrusted to me, I was faithful in that. And because I've been faithful in my past, God's getting ready to lead me into a great destiny, and we're going to whip this overgrown amplifier. Scripture says in Luke 16 and 12, and if you cannot be trusted with what belongs to someone else, who will give you something to be on your own? You need to look on the job you have. You need to just imagine, what if this were my job? How would I want employees to work? How would I want employees to be? What if I was a pastor of this church? How would I want this church to look? How would I want it to be? How would I want it? And so, so wherever it is right now, you're faithful where God puts you. You say, I don't like this job I'm in. I, don't, I feel like God's got something else. Okay, that's good. But you know the doorway to that? You know what writes your resume to your destiny? is being faithful where you are. Being faithful where you are right now is the gateway to your promotion. And then next, be flexible, ready, and available. First Samuel 17, then Jesse said to his son David, now, go take your brothers and ephah of this dried grain and these 10 loaves, carry this cheese to the captain. Now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight, shouting for a battle. He was flexible. Now, he's anointed king, but he's taking care of the sheep. Now, his dad says, it's not enough that you're going to take care of the smelly old sheep, 
I want you to be a pizza delivery man for your brothers. After all, your brothers are important. Your brothers are all fighting war and you're taking care of those smelly old sheep and you're practicing with your slingshot round and around with rocks hitting a telephone pole far over there and I don't know why you're spending all your time trying out and seeing how good you as a marksman you can be with that. How could God ever use a slingshot in his destiny? How could God ever use a rock in his destiny? But you see, isn't it amazing? God can take the things that are so small and so insignificant. The anointment that the lady used pouring on the faith. And it'd be, I believe one of these days we get to heaven, there's going to be a museum. A museum of least likely things that God has used to bring his destiny. I believe there'll be a slingshot of David. There'll be a rock. I believe some of that, uh, that anointing oil that the lady put on the feet of Jesus. Maybe even will be there some of the parchment paper in which Paul wrote the gospel. And you can smell that parchment. Maybe there'll be the rod there that Moses yet. And so don't miss that museum when you walk in because you know what? You may find something that God has used of yours and because you were faithful in that, he put it. Picture the furniture barn, Mike. Yeah, right there and say, look how I've used that for, to reach so many different people. Wow. So he was flexible. Sure, I'll take him some food. I'll do that. See, a lot of people are willing to obey God as long as they play to their strengths. What if you're on a football team and somebody goes down and they move you from guard to tackle <laughs> or they move you from tackle to quarterback? Yeah, have changed your jersey, I guess, in a lot of the things. You say, oh, no, I... I'm, I'm too fat for that. I'm too muscular. You, you, can't, you can't take me off the line and let me be QB. No, there's just no way. But you know what you'd say if you believed in the team? It doesn't make sense to me. But give me a different jersey and let me get behind the, let me get behind the center. And I'll play not to my strengths, but I'll play to where there's a need right now for the team. Wow. Isn't that awesome? So I'm, I'm looking at a whole church full of people that that's what you say. Uh, I'll play not only to my strengths. We all want to play to our strengths, right? We don't want to get to the place that worship on Sunday morning is me playing the accordion up here, right? Some of you new people didn't know. You didn't know that. You know how we started the Father's house? We used, to, we used to call them a jam box, right, with cassettes, a boom box with cassettes. That's how we did our first worship set in the old building over the old Shoney's Hotel. We pushed the button on integrity worship, and we sang, and we sang like we really meant it. And then God helped us. But I'm thankful we don't have to do that. But you know what? If we lost every musician, if something happened to every musician, if we had to play videos, we'd play videos and we'd worship. If I had to play the accordion and Ben had to play the guitar and somebody else had to play the drums, we'd do our best to try to get it together. But guess what? We would do it. Why? So I'm, I'm looking at this. A lot of people haven't come back to church yet. So we have a, we have a negative volunteer force next door in Kid City Learning Center. And so I, here's what I thought one day. What I'll just do is I'll go next door and serve. And when you come to church, you can just look at it. I'll put a video up on the, on the screen from 20 years ago, and you can look at that. Well, why would you do that? 
When you run up, because those kids next door are just as important as you are. So some of you may not have the strengths to work there, but if you'll do a background check, we don't let you in if you can't pass a background check. I mean, even I have to pass a background check before they'll let me in over there, all right? And I have to have my mask on before I go in over there, you know, that's how they, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you play to a need on this team? Why wouldn't you play to a need of the people to park cars or people to greet wherever that? You say, well, how, how can I know where there's a need? Take that connection card and on the back say, I'm a need, I'm a need filler. I'm a, need, I'm a team player. Show me where I can be used in a different way and I'm ready to do that. So you play that position without griping, moaning, or sucking your thumb. You just shift and play, right? Here's the last thing I want to talk about today is don't let dream killers stop you. Don't let dream killers stop you. Look at these characteristics. First of all, he had a heart after God. He was obedient and willing. He remained faithful and responsible and courageous. He was flexible, ready, and available. And don't let dream killers stop you. So he goes out to the battle, 1 Samuel 17, 28, and 29. Now Eliab, the oldest brother of David, heard that David was there and asking, hey, what's going on? Why isn't somebody taking on Goliath? And so Eliab says to him, uh, confronting his motives. He's saying, why'd you come down here? Oh, little one, least likely. And who did you leave those stinky sheep in the wilderness with? I know your pride and insolence of your heart for you come down to see the battle. And David said, dude, what have I done to you? Isn't there a cause? I mean, if I'd been David, I think I'd have gone after his brother. Excuse me, Eliab. Take a look out there. What do you see? I see a 10-foot giant blaspheming God, and I see all the army of Israel quaking in their knees and nobody fighting him. So I don't see much of a battle that you see out there. I don't know why you're challenging my motives. Listen, there'll always be somebody who will challenge your motives. When we started this church 25 years ago, a local pastor said to me, I'd like to take you out to breakfast at Shoney's. I thought, oh, great. I'll get to network in with some pastors. He looked across the table at me and he said, we don't need you here. We don't need another church in this community. We've got enough churches here to take care of everything. I kind of threw me off there. I wasn't my motive. I wasn't about to steal his sheep because I wouldn't want his sheep anyway. They're just old and fogey and religious and cantankerous. And why would I want them, Right. So he was going to buy a breakfast, but I bought breakfast. I said, thank you very much. I've seen him off and on now for 25 years. He's no longer pastoring. His church went defunct. He gave his church away. He's not in ministry anymore. Now, that doesn't bring me any avenue of gloat. I feel sorry. I really feel sorry for him. He may not have even been called to be a lead pastor anyway. I don't know. But here's what I know. We're still here. We're still here. So people can challenge your motives of why you would do something, how you would do that. You just got to move on. Maybe there's a sign over your door that says, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm a nobody. Listen, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about the people that Jesus really used? Have you ever read in the book of Matthew, the messianic line of Jesus, and there's a woman there by the name of Rahab? Remember Rahab? I mean, her womb saw a lot of business. Did you say that, Martha? Yeah, you said that. But yet she's in the messianic line of Jesus. Jesus is able to take your mess and make it a message. 
Consider the roll call of the least likely. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied about his wife. Sarah laughed at God. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses murdered an Egyptian. Rahab was a harlot. Gideon was fearful. Samson had serious problems with lust and anger. Eli failed as a father. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Solomon married foreign wives who turned his heart towards idolatry. Elijah struggled with depression. Jonah ran away from God. Peter denied Christ. James and John argued about the greatest seats in the kingdom. All the apostles argued about who was the greatest. If God used only well-rounded people with no character flaws, guess what? You would get all the glory. But in the league of the least likely, God takes those that have character flaws, that have failures, and he said, let me show you, let me show you what I can do. The second point I want to leave you today is this. Be thankful that your destiny supersedes your mistakes. Supersedes your mistakes. A little boy went into a pet shop and he looked for, he wanted to buy a pet. And he saw a litter box full of little young, of little puppies. He examined one, he picked it up and he put it back in the box and he went to the owner and he said, I picked out me a puppy that I'd like to buy. How much are they? And the owner said, well, the puppies are this much. And he said, I'll be back in a few weeks as I raise my money. He said, well, the puppies may be gone by then. He said, oh no, uh, the puppy that I picked out won't be gone. He'll still be here. So he washed windows, he mowed yards, he, he did all of those things. And weeks later, he came back and he brought back a water bills. And he said, is this what you said to buy the puppy? He said, yes, sir. Yes, son. That's exactly what I said. So the little boy went back to the litter box. There were a few left there. He picked up the one that was over in the corner all by himself. He picked up that one. He said, then I'll take this one. And he started walking out the door. The owner of the pet shop said, you don't want that little dog. He, he's the skinniest one we've got. He has a limp leg. He can't run like the others can, and he can't play with you. And the little boy said, no, sir, this is the one I want. The owner was, then he looked down at the little boy, and he saw underneath his pant leg was a brace, and he realized the little boy had a crippled leg. The little boy said, no, I want this one. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ came looking for the weak? the least likely of me and you. And he said, I want you. Of all those I could choose, I want you. I want you. And he supersedes your mistakes. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you never give up on us. That there may be someone here today that they just feel like their life is full of mistakes and failure and that they're never good enough and that you could never use them. And Lord, I just pray right now in your name, God, that you would help them to surrender their whole life to you. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I've never invited Jesus into my heart and into my life. I need him today. I need him. And I want to just thank God that he didn't give up on me. I've got a lot of failures. I got a lot of titles over my name that I wouldn't want anybody to see. But I'm just going to ask Jesus today to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and to love me. If that's you, you're here today or you're online, you say, you know what, today I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want to have a fresh start, a new beginning. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and let me lead you in prayer today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you feel bad, but I want to lead you in prayer today. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Those of you who are online right there, you say it's a little silly, but just raise your hand right where you are. And I want to pray with you. 
I want to believe today for what God wants to do in your life, in your life. Let me lead you in a prayer for those in here and those that are watching online. Pray this prayer with me. Nobody should pray this by themselves. Let's pray it together. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Would you get ready? Let's celebrate the Lord's table together this morning. Communion. It's a special time. I mean, after that prayer and after realizing that we're part of the least of league of the least likely, who wouldn't want to? On that night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took the bread and he lifted it up and he blessed it and he broke it. Just like his body would be broken. And he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and eat. This represents my body that is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me that I paid the price so that you, the least likely, could fulfill the purpose and the destiny that I have for you. If you'll receive that calling, if you'll say to him today, I'm all in. Wherever you need me, coach, I'm all in. I'm all in. And he took the fruit of the vine and he said, this represents my blood. It will purchase a new covenant. Not that you have to keep trying to do things and do things, but I'm going to pay the price. And as part of the league of the least likely, he paid the price. He, listen, he forgave us our sins. He gave us a purpose and a destiny to live for now. And then he gives us the promise of an eternity with him on a new earth and a new heaven. Wow. If you want to celebrate him today, cheers. Let's celebrate Jesus. Wow. I want to release a blessing over you. Wednesday night, we're going to have some time, especially to flow in the prophetic. I hope that you're here. Our prayer team will come down front at the end of the service to pray for you before you're dismissed. But would you lift your hands up to the Lord right now? And I want to bless you. I bless you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I speak a Father's blessing over you today that you are wanted, that you are cared for, that you are the chosen, the redeemed. And God loves you so much today. And as we leave today, we want to do three things. We want to love God, want to help people, and we want to build the kingdom. Well, if you receive that word today, let's give the Lord a hand clap. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.